Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. The excitement is brought to you by Buxton. Check it out for their mobile and predictive analytics. It's really crazy what you can do with their information. It tracks all the smartphone traffic. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Their website is buxton.com. And you can also use it for a lot of advantages in retail. And we're going to talk about retail today. And I think retail is something that has surprised a lot of people, especially if you're not in the sector uh, every day, you know, how, how, much, how well sales have gone and, and rents and occupancy. Uh, but we're in a changing environment, right? A changing economic environment, uh, rising interest rates. So what's going on now and what should we expect in the future? Please welcome my guest. It's Thomas LaSilvia. He's senior economist with Moody's Analytics. Tom, Tom, thanks for joining us, sir. Hey, Michael. It is absolutely a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, one of my favorite things is to join your show. So thank you for having me back. All right. And thank you for being on the show. We love uh, you, uh, your insight, you know, and, you know, it's not just uh, looking at the numbers. It's like, well, what's impacting it and what should we expect in, in the future? It's like, you know, what's the old uh, saying? You got to skate where the puck's going, right? Certainly. And uh, this retail puck is, is quite intriguing in some ways, uh, maybe a little dull in others. <laughs> well, let's look at performance first, because I kind of open it up with suggesting that rents and occupancy have been doing well. Kind of, well, what's kind of the latest picture? Yeah, I would say relatively well. And that's where my uh, statement about dull comes in a bit. If you look at the uh, vacancy rate, you know, we're a shade above 10%, which is not very far off of uh, what we were pre-pandemic, actually, within 10 basis points. And, you know, we saw in early in the pandemic a little bit of an increase. And over the last year and a half or so, slowly but surely, we've been inching our way back down to around that 10% mark. Um, and this is specifically neighborhood and community centers. Uh, for regional malls, we're around 11%. And again, this, as you said earlier, this surprises many people because there was this whole push for e-commerce, um, you know, this, this negative rhetoric associated with malls in particular, but generally, at least at the national average level, you know, it's pretty flat from the occupancy perspective. And if you dig in where it's more fascinating, there's a pretty big distribution around those occupancy levels where you'll see some super regional malls that are incredibly successful where there is essentially a waiting list to get in that mall. Uh, and then others where you'll see vacancy rates, unfortunately, 70%, um, you know, ones that are, are absolutely failing. So, you know, large distribution around what's happening with occupancy, but generally in the middle, it's flat, um, you know, turning the attention to the rent side of things. It's pretty similar story. We saw some rent declines through 2020 into early 2021. And little by little, you know, a 10th of a point, 20th of a point, 
here or there percentage point going up for rent levels. We've basically recovered. Again, that's at that national average level. But if you look at the distribution and you look at it from a property perspective, there are absolutely winners where rent levels are increasing substantially. And there's losers where the property owners, the landlords, they're not even close to keeping up with the level of general inflation and operating expenses. And so those properties are seeing a dip in net operating income. So again, dull if you just look at the national level stats, but really fascinating if you start digging into property level stats. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I was talking to a bankers association uh, last Monday, and one of my advices to the lenders was to be uh, very particular and specific about each property and the tenants and and, uh, what's going on in each individual property because things can uh, vary uh, wildly and you can miss some opportunities if you kind of ballpark, uh, uh, say, office or retail. Oh, we're not doing any of that right now. Well, you might lose a a great uh, customer. And, you know, one of the things obviously that drives uh, retail rents and occupancy is how how well the retailer's doing. Um, And so what do you see? Yeah. So this is uh, also quite interesting. Through 2021, goods purchases were very, very strong. Right. We were still in the midst of um, the more of the lockdowns, more people being at home, working from home, fixing up their houses. Right. This is when uh, Lowe's, Home Depot were doing fantastic. Um, lumber prices were going through the roof, et cetera. And in 2022, especially come late spring and through the summer, we definitely saw a shift towards more service oriented spending. Overall spending levels stayed fairly strong, actually, considering some of the negative rhetoric, considering the negative GDP growth that we saw in the first two quarters. So consumers are out there spending. It's that at least in the summer, they shifted towards services. They shifted certainly towards leisure. I mean, I know we're not talking hotel, although hotel is very linked to retail in a lot of ways. We saw record levels of um, room rates and very high occupancy rates during the summer. And so you can imagine uh, retail when it came to restaurant spending, when it came to other experiential spending through the summer, that was incredibly strong. Now, as we move forward, I think it's really going to be interesting what happens in these next few months, the holiday season. My expectation, a little bit of a slowdown when we see the September data, but then I think it's going to ramp up considerably October, November, uh, right into the um, right into the holidays at the end of the year. So I actually, I may be in the minority here. But from a retail spending perspective and how this affects brick and mortar, I actually expect a, a quite a good holiday season. Well, you know, that's uh, that's promising. That means people are still confident, right? The consumer's confident and the retailers are doing well. You know, that's that's so interesting because if you look at the surveys, consumers aren't that confident, right? So if you look at the University of Michigan survey and some of the others out there, consumer confidence is still near record lows, although it's come up a little bit in the last few months, the last few surveys. So, you know, they're confident if you look at it from, hey, they're still spending, 
Um, but their surveys are showing that they're not happy with the inflation, right? And so I think that's why the survey numbers are so low. They're expressing their dissatisfaction with inflation. But you know what? If we're still adding 250, 300,000 jobs uh, each month, if the openings to unemployed ratio is still near two to one, which it is, um, you know, while we expect that all to soften over the couple of months, you know, we're not going to see a big spike in unemployment or a ton of job losses through this holiday season. So I expect, again, people will keep their jobs and they're going to want to keep spending. Um, Prices obviously are still quite high and they're still going up. Unfortunately, the Fed's job is really tough, uh, but consumers are willing to keep spending at this point. And I do, again, I think that continues over the next few months before maybe we get some um, deeper softening in 2023. Uh, but a lot of that depends on how quickly the Fed can get inflation under control. Yeah. And here's my advice for all the politicians uh, listening. Uh, let's do some things to reduce gas prices because the gasoline and oil prices can impact so much of everything. Everything has to be delivered in, in, in some way. Uh, and that would certainly help. Um, Tom, what are some uh, of the tenants, uh, particular tenants or, or uh, uh, types of, of industries that are expanding right now in retail? Yeah, this is another story of haves and have nots or a wide distribution of what's going on. You know, generally apparel hasn't been doing great, but when you look at a company like um, Primark, the Dublin based company that's making inroads here in the US, I think they have around 15 stores now. You know, they're really moving forward with this fast fashion, uh, fairly discounted cost uh, clothing. And, you know, it's trendy right now to the point where I was in a mall about a year ago. This is still in the pandemic situation, a um, little deeper where they were limiting the amounts of people that were going into certain stores. And there was a line outside of this Primark. So, and there's other stores that we've seen like that as well. So it's very interesting to see the change in trends or the evolution within retail, right? I mean, we know the troubles of JCPenney's. We know the troubles of Macy's. Uh, Kohl's recently has been in the news for the troubles, and they're going through some restructuring and changing of, of what their business model is going to look like. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is struggling, right? But there's others, even within those same categories, that are actually doing well. And I go back more to apparel than anything else, apparel and footwear, because you can see a company like Primark making inroads, Uniqlo making inroads, where some of the others are actually, um, you know, reducing. There's a competitive element to this, right? And consumers in particular, when it comes to fashion, they love what's new and trendy and interesting. And so I think we're just seeing that evolution take place. I'll give you one more store that actually um, is interesting or or an online retailer who's now going into bricks and mortar, which is Allbirds, right? The, uh, the sneaker company. So they, you know, started selling direct to consumer. And I think now they're planning, they've either opened or are planning around 15 to 20 stores in the U.S. So really interesting to see 
how there's winners and losers. Uh, but to me, it's more of just, this is an evolution of retail. Things move with the trends. There's a competitive element when somebody's doing something new and interesting, right? They have the chance to expand. And when others have maybe, you know, not been as innovative as necessary, those are going to recede a little bit and have to reinvent themselves to compete. So, you know, again, haves and have nots, this is not a rising tide lifts all boats or a, uh, you know, receding tide <laughs> um, dips all boats or however you want to say it. Usually don't say it that way. Um, but uh, it is certainly a story where there's winners and losers. Yeah. And that in apparel, it makes sense that it should be improving, you know, because so many people now are going back to work and they're traveling more and, you know, and either a lot of people uh, gained weight during COVID, they may need new clothes or, or lost weight. I lost 35 pounds in the last year myself. So I've been out having to buy clothes and it's uh, it's frustrating that, well, it's I guess it's a good thing, but um, but I think uh, the apparel should continue uh, to do well. And we're talking with Tom LaSilvia, a senior economist uh, with Moody's, and we're talking about uh, the retail world around the U.S. And uh, and some of those tenants are expanding. That's good news. And the other uh, aspect that people are curious about, uh, my listeners and viewers, I think, are well, what's happening with, with valuations or if you want to talk in terms of, of cap rates. I know you're just finishing up kind of the third quarter results uh, on your investment sales numbers. But what are some trends you're, you're seeing so far in uh, cap rates for retail properties? Yeah, there's upward movement, and I think that's expected given where the risk-free rate is going. If the Treasury is going to be hitting 4%, which it, it touched recently, receded a bit, um, but likely to continue to move up a little bit, the 10-year Treasury. Um, you know, we're seeing cap rates at the end of quarter two. We saw them in the mid-sixes into the sevens on, on average here. Uh, but again, there is a wide distribution. I hate to keep going back and saying that same thing over and over, but it's very true in retail, maybe more than any other sector. Uh, you know, even when you look at the mean versus median cap rate, right? The median was in those mid sixes, but the mean was above seven to eight percent, telling us that there were some properties trading at double digit cap rates and, and quite high ones that were skewing that that mean right and then on the other side of it we're still seeing some properties trade as low as four percent so i mean this is really interesting getting to the point where we actually have a negative spread between the risk-free rate and the cap rate right it's more pronounced certainly in multifamily and industrial where we're seeing those but uh even in retail some of the really value um there's really strong properties out there that are still trading at strong valuations. Yeah. And to help the listeners um, put it in perspective, um, what's that difference in cap rate uh, when you look at, say, last year when we had a very, very robust investment sales market? Yeah, so we were looking at cap rates still, uh, mean and median still in the fives. So we're moving up. We're, we're trending up, um, you know, 100 basis points. It's We're likely to see 
another 50 to 100 basis points being added to this before all is said and done with, um, with the increasing of interest rates, which we expect to continue into 2023 before maybe taking a dip late in 2023 into 2024. Uh, so yes, um, we look at it this way. Commercial real estate is still an excellent investment, but when the risk-free rate is doing what it's doing at this point, there has to be some upward pressure on cap rates, um, you know, pretty much across the board. But again, there are properties that have been able to increase rents that are nearly uh, fully occupied, and so they're income is increasing and their property values can still be increasing and those cap rates, right? It's always that ratio of those two, but those cap rates are able to stay fairly low in those fives or even dip into four. But then there's the other side of it where the rents aren't increasing at all. And if those cap rates are increasing for those properties, that means there is a little bit of haircuts being taken. And so again, we overall think that just generally commercial real estate's in a strong position, even if we enter a mild recession, but because the, unfortunately, the remedy to the high inflation are higher risk-free rates, that necessarily places that upward pressure on cap rates. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, real estate's, a, I think, maybe a safe investment if you're considering some volatility in, in the market out there because we have the, you know, the principal reduction on the loans and the inflation and the benefits long term of that. I was uh, interviewed the other day on a, on a show and they asked me, um, what's the biggest mistake you've seen investors make? And it kind of caught me off guard. But I thought about the history of, of my career of, you know, 35 years and about eight billion in sales. And I think the the biggest mistake I've seen is people looking at the individual timing of the market and not thinking more long term. Right? Oh, I'm not going to pay six point two cap. You know, cap rates that's two that's twenty basis points off. Wait a minute, if it's a good property, your long term hold, it's probably not going to matter at the end of the day. Yeah, completely agree with that sentiment. You know, this is commercial real estate, and I know the holding period, um, you know, may not be long for certain investors, but for others, there's fantastic properties out there that have a very, very strong runway. And I completely agree that, you know, there's still value to be had uh, and there's still good potential when we look out over the next five to 10 to 15, 20 years. So a lot of it depends on the holding period and the, the, you know, the type of investing that you're looking to do. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good opportunity still. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you mentioned uh, that, you know, we've, we've heard about from, from the Fed about potential rate increases uh, going up even even more. And, you know, we're in the day-to-day uh, negotiations of, of, of deals uh, at, at our shop around the Southeast. And uh, even though we're in very strong markets, uh, you know, we're seeing cap rates rise and, and we think as more and more of these uh, sales are reported, you know, we're going to continue to see um, cap rates rise and um, to your point, individual to, to specific properties. But if interest rates are going to be even higher, you know, in six months, then if you are a, a seller, then maybe maybe you're doing it now. It's kind of an interesting market, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. And we're still seeing pretty robust retail sales. Uh, we're seeing you know, a, a little bit of a dip from 2021 in terms of, of sales, originations, but still very strong on the retail front. And uh, you know, this might be the moment to, to get out there and, and potentially make that purchase if you could find that good deal. Yeah. And this might sound like I'm a broker, but also it could be a time to sell <laughs> uh, it, before rates even go even higher. And you think about it, the rates really historically, really, uh, you look at it that way, they're, they're not high. Right. That's something that uh, us older timers uh, realize, right? I mean, when we look back a couple of decades or yeah, yeah, a couple of decades, we were seeing rates right around this, right? I think it was the early 2000s when's the last time we saw this. But a lot of people that are new to the industry, they're very used to, um, you know, rates, mortgage rates being in uh, the fours and fives and uh, risk-free rates being less than 1%, right? I mean, so a lot of it is recency bias. And I think that's what scared off uh, quite a few folks is when they see a cap rate uh, 7, 8%, uh, when they're seeing financing rates, you know, up there, then they're, they're saying, wait a second, you know, this is, I don't know if I can make this work, right? I don't know if this can pencil. And, and there are others that have been in this industry a long time that find ways where they can get the financing for that project you were talking about earlier, right? That strong project that has a longer runway for success. Yeah, I, uh, I remember when, uh, show my age, when we could get a 12% interest rate and we were just very, very <laughs> excited uh, to have that low of a rate. I, I once had a property myself uh, with the interest rate at one point was 17%. And I did well with the property. So yeah, you, you don't want to just freeze up uh, just because rates are a little higher than, than you're used to in recent times. Well, Tom, what would you leave our audience with to think about you know, moving forward for uh, the retail world? One of my favorite discussions in retail right now are the transitions or the redevelopments towards lifestyle centers. I find this absolutely fascinating. And, and one of the reasons is because I'm, I'm kind of a, an urban romantic, but it does, urban to me does not have to mean a big city. I love walkability. I love that idea of the 15 minute city, right? Where you can kind of get anywhere on foot or bike within 15 minutes. And so that could even be a small neighborhood where you can go to the shops, you can go to restaurants and, and pretty much do everything that you want. And so I'm very intrigued by what I am seeing with some of these older retail properties, in particular kind of mid-size and smaller regional malls that are failing, uh, a lot of investment is going into redeveloping those with a bit of multifamily right there, uh, changing kind of the look to have a little more of an, uh, um, a vibrant 
outside, right? And walkable from those apartments now to where the shops are. So it's this interesting mixed use lifestyle center that I am seeing for one, new developments happening, but two, seeing a lot of redevelopments across the whole country in this fashion. And it's an interesting model, right? Because if these early entrance into this redevelopment process succeed, then that's a model for investors and financiers to go ahead and green light more and more of these projects. And again, for me, who I've studied location choice all my life, where households live, where, you know, um, businesses locate, is this really a model that has staying power? Right. And is going to be something that we uh, continue to watch over the next years and decades for that matter. Is this the next big, big step in evolution um, in retail as we've gone from, you know, way back when it was just the downtown stores to then the regional malls picking up to the power centers and now, you know, and then outlets and so on. And now are we going into this interesting lifestyle mixed use? where every property or many of them anyway are going to have elements of a lot of the different sectors really blurring the lines across um, the different real estate sectors so that to me is really interesting to watch are these properties are these redevelopments really going to succeed yeah i think uh i agree with you tom i mean I um, I have a home on, on Lake Lanier, suburban Atlanta, and then I have a place in town that is in a mixed use, and it's really really convenient. It's really really fun and exciting, you know, being a mixed use development. So I think, you know, if you have a company or or a housing option where you're in a mixed use type environment, even if you're not in a big city where where you are mixed use, um, then that that has a lot of advantages to be able to walk out of your office or your home and and walk the things. I think it will continue. And and you look at you know a lot of these retail properties to your point they're very well located and they're big enough that you can create a, a really your own community right with within the property yeah i've even seen governments local municipalities get involved where they were traditionally a suburban municipality right and they want to create i'm going to use air quotes here they want to create a downtown and so mm-hmm. they're taking this old large well located mall and they're creating a downtown, putting municipal building offices there. Um, and then there's going to be shops, restaurants, there's going to be a theater or there's going to be, you know, a bandstand or something for, and a, and a mall, you know, a, a, a green mall, not an indoor shopping mall, but a, a, a space for people to picnic and, and listen to bands. So it's, it's very interesting, again, to see this, this mixed use take off yeah. and, and to yeah. see the runway for it. That's right. That's awesome. Well, Tom and Sylvia, thank you. Great information as usual. Thank you for being with us, sir. Thank you much. All right. Well, hey, look, we appreciate uh, you being with us. If you'd like more information uh, from Moody's Analytics, and they used to be Reese, if they're more familiar uh, with Reese, you can re- reach their website and uh, it's cre.moodysanalytics.com. And of course, you're, you're welcome to visit our site. It's cre.show.com and connect with us on your favorite social media. Hey, we sure appreciate hearing from you. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions or want to reach out to me, my email is michael at bullrealty.com. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. 
and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.